Welcome to Cast Dice, the podcast that explores the great big wild world of tabletop gaming that exists today. It has been said many times, mostly on this podcast, that we are in the middle of a gaming renaissance. There are just too many good games out there that we can spend our hobby time and our hobby dollars on. It can literally lead to a serious case of fear of missing out. I mean, there are literally just too many games that we can be spending our time playing. Um, It can be overwhelming. And I guess that's the purpose of this podcast. It has, over the last two years, been to explore the games, um, to talk about the games that my guests and I have enjoyed playing, um, to talk about events where we played these games, and to talk about major industry events and occurrences, um, and sort of keeping abreast of what's going on in the gaming world. Now, you did hear me just say the word two years. Now, this is a very special episode because... It is Cast Dice's second birthday, Um, hence the music at the beginning. You'll notice that it was not the usual Cast Dice theme song. Uh, Two years ago, on Halloween, Cast Dice uh, sprang into the world um, as uh, the sort of, or as a generic gaming, tabletop gaming podcast. And I have to say, over the last two years, it has been a trip. Um... For those keeping track at home, uh, this podcast evolved out of a cast that was once called the LRDG2 that was on the WWPD network. And sadly, um, that network disappeared. Um, This podcast started up before that did, but the LRDG2 uh, was a generic gaming cast, but it it was very bolt-action-centric. so Cast Dice came along to be even more generalized uh, and to, to cover a lot of games. Now, I never, when I started this cast, I never wanted it to be um, completely dedicated to any one game system. That was the sort of antithesis of the whole thesis of why it exists. Um I also wanted to showcase independent games, uh, independent gaming companies, um, independent gaming authors, but I also didn't want to ignore, you know, the quote unquote big boys of gaming either, because I think that would, uh, I don't know, eliminate quite a few excellent games that exist today that could be played and could be talked about. I mean, literally this podcast is about having fun. Um, now, over the last couple of years, I've been occasionally accused of, uh, how should I say, being overly positive at times, um, which I always think is kind of funny. Um, yes, I, I tend to talk about projects, and I use a, a lot of adjectives like, this is excellent, fantastic, amazing. I I believe there's enough negativity on the internet, um, and the, the podcast, uh, the Cast Size podcast, I've always strived to talk about things with that I or my guests are interested in. Um, if, if I'm not interested in it or if I don't like it, I typically won't talk about it. Um, I don't want, if somebody does love something that I don't, and that's fine. I know that I have very specific opinions, um, that may not match yours. Um, I just happen to talk about the things that interest me or the guests that I have on, as I said. Um, I I don't really want to bum anyone out by talking about a game um, that they are very interested in. I do love gaming podcasts, and I listen to a ton of them from across the spectrum of gaming. And uh, I always find it disappointing when I listen to a show, particularly if it's a show I like, and they bag out on a game that I happen to really love. I think it really, you know, sometimes kills my enthusiasm for a project. 
Uh, and I don't ever want to do that to a listener. So uh, to those who have commented over the years that they enjoy the show and the, its positive nature, thank you very much. Um, uh, believe it or not, I actually really do appreciate every time someone reaches out and comments and sends me a message. Um, because this show is weirdly just me and a a cast of rotating uh, talking heads, um, it, it can be a weirdly uh, isolating experience. Um, so I just wanted to take a few seconds at the beginning of this uh, to say to all of you that have listened to Cast Ice over the last two years and to those who are listening right now, you, uh, thank you very much. Uh, I know that, I, and I, again, I've said this before, but there's a reason I keep saying it. Um, podcasts don't cost money. Um, a lot of podcasts these days have Patreons and they ask you to contribute money for more content. I look at this as my hobby. This is my passion. This is what I absolutely love. And I would feel weird taking money for that. So um, I do know, though, that time is often incredibly precious in today's um, world. We are busier than ever. Uh, and the fact that you've taken the time to listen to this while you're painting, while you're commuting, uh, well, you're doing walking the dog, whatever you are doing right now. Uh, it, it means the world to me that you took the time to download this particular episode of this particular podcast and listen to it today, um, two years into this podcast's existence. So thank you. Thank you very much. Now, I did want to do an episode for you, the listener. And so a week ago, I put up a post on our Facebook page and I said, if you would like to ask any questions on the Cast Eyes second annual birthday episode, please let me know. Um, I've never done a mailbag segment in all of the years of podcasting that I've been going. I believe I'm on eight, nine years now. Um, I've never actually done this. So today's a first, and I have a slew of questions, some of which are ridiculous, um, some of which are intentionally ridiculous, I might add. And some that are really fantastic, and I look forward to answering. Uh, now, it is a little strange. I am usually the host of this show, um, even way back when, when I was the oh, the host of a, a radio show in university. And afterward, um, I was always sort of the straight man. I would be the guy who asked the questions, and other people were the quote-unquote talent. Uh, I don't think that's ever been my role on any of the shows that I've ever been a part of. Uh, and when I have tried it, it usually ends up badly. So... Uh, ladies and gentlemen, I hope you bear with me as I am both host uh, on your behalf and uh, guest this evening. Uh, it is a little strange to be the one-man show, but I am looking forward to it. Now, before we get into the questions, there is a there are a quick couple of things to talk about. Now, the first of those things is the Cast Dice YouTube page. Uh, we're about, to, uh, what, five or six weeks into its existence at this point. And as of this point, we have had uh, a couple of uh, sort of long-winded review videos, um, which I recorded uh, when the channel first started, and um, have learned a lot from. And so those uh, will become shorter and sharper in the future. Um, and four video casts of the games that we play that we talk about on this podcast, which is, I guess, the the purpose of that YouTube channel in the first place. Um, this show talks about games, and the channel shows the games that we talk about. Uh, now, we have had a good run. We've done 7TV Pulp. We have played Star Wars Legion. We have played Warcry. And most recently, we played uh, Gaslands with uh, some of the vehicles from Mask, the 80s 
uh, cartoon, which is, yeah, was just a lot of fun to play. Now, um, we are looking to do some more Lords of Erewhon content through the YouTube page um, and more 7TV in addition to other games. Of course, Bolt Action will be there and in there at some point, as uh, this show and the other shows that I've been associated with over the years have uh, had a lot to do uh, with that game. Now, just like when this podcast started, or I guess when I first started podcasting independently of The Dwellers seven years ago, uh, the quality of um, the YouTube channel has, it's not bad. It's in fact, compared to the original quality of the the uh, uh, audio podcast that the LRDG first put out, the original cast, uh, these YouTube videos are actually pretty good. Um, but uh, over time, uh, in fact, in very short period of time, I'm hoping that they will be uh, much better than where we started. Um, every cast, every video, every um, video cast I do, it, you know, the quality improves uh, in one form or another, and uh, we're just uh, building up, uh, building up the content. And uh, hopefully you'll enjoy that as well. Um, now, I do not ask for money on this show. Um, that has been something that has always been, as I said, sort of uh, something that I disagree with. And I do know uh, that it can be draining to hear people ask you for things every time you listen to a podcast. And I have not mentioned this for quite a while. In fact, I believe about six months. But I do think it's about that time that I bring up subscribing and reviews. Uh, now, th a lot of what this show depends on is word of mouth and um, being brought up through search engines when people are searching up the games that we talk about on this cast. Now, a lot of people find this show through iTunes and through YouTube, and both of which, um, you know, if reviews and subscribers help a lot. So if, if you are a big fan of this show, if you listen to it fairly often, um, if you could take a minute to go into your iTunes app and give us a review, you know, five stars would be awesome. Um, it doesn't have to be long, just, uh, you know, one or two sentences, and just those stars would make a huge difference. Um, likewise, uh, YouTube subscribers um, would be wonderful if you wouldn't mind clicking that subscribe button Um both for the podcast through iTunes and through YouTube, it would make a massive difference to this show. Um, I've recently been talking to some larger game companies, um, just to pull back the curtain a little bit, get a little behind baseball for you. And um, often my requests for interviews uh, and for you know just interacting with larger companies have been re have been refused recently, only because I don't have the numbers. Um, the baseline numbers sufficient to uh, warrant um, by you know people giving me attention, which you know is a little sad given how much time and effort I put into this show. However, um, is is you know a business decision, and I absolutely understand it. You need to spend your time um, with the people who are going to get you maximum exposure, and you know this show isn't always that. Um, but if you have not subscribed, uh, both either to through YouTube or through iTunes or whatever podcatcher you happen to use. Um, it would mean a lot if you could subscribe. It would open a lot of doors for this podcast and the content that I like to provide for you, the listener, um, that would really help out in the future uh, moving forward from this two-year mark. So yes, if you could do that, that would be fantastic. Now, part of some of the questions, I should say, for this episode um, were directed 
towards content. Now, I am going to take that feedback on, and hopefully I will use it for future episodes. Um, some of the questions were just literally too big to sum up on a sort of a general mailbag show like this. But I did want to talk about one category of those questions. I had quite a few requests for me to go back through and sort of get the old crew back together. Um, I had some friends um, and some listeners who um, really enjoyed the old Ghost Army podcast um, and asked if A, that podcast still existed, um, and if B, if I could get those guys on and if we could go back through and talk about the most recent Bolt Action campaign books. Um well, that's 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 a big request, and that requires a lot of um, coordination with other members of the old cast. Um, but at the time being, um, that will not happen today. Now, it should be said that the Ghost Army podcast does still exist. All of the current members um, who were in its last iteration and myself still all are passionate about uh, that cast, and we have not quit um, we just don't have much to say right now, which is, you know, if you're thinking about me as a person, it's probably ironic that I don't have a lot to say, but um, we will probably be back doing some content for the future uh, or in the future. But for the time being, we are taking a break. Now, that does bring me to other podcast news. Now, originally, this uh, podcast network was supposed to be Cast Dice and the Ghost Army podcast. That, that, that is what it was designed for uh, once WWPD went down. Now, Cast Dice continues. Clearly, you're listening to it and uh, will continue into the future. And it will continue to run on most weeks. Um, now, you will have noticed that over the years, uh, the Warlord Games official podcast became uh, another show on this network. It has been around for almost a year and a half now, and uh, I still enjoy doing that, and it will continue into the future. The most recent episode, um, or I should say the next upcoming episode, will be about the new Judge Dread game, which I'm absolutely looking forward to getting my grubby paws on, and we will be doing YouTube content for as well. But there is, it being the second birthday, uh, time to talk about a third podcast for the lineup. Um, now, you might say, Brad, and actually a few people have said, Brad, uh, you're already doing Cast Dice. You're already doing the Warlord Cast. Now you're doing YouTube content. Um, are you spreading yourself a little thin? And honestly, I might be. Um, and I've been working. I have a very intense day job. I spend a lot of time doing prep for it, thinking about that job and working. And it doesn't always give me the time to do the research uh, that I want to do um, for the shows that I put out. And sometimes um, I, I don't feel as though I am as prepared for every episode of Cast Ice as I would like to be. Now, uh, to combat that, uh, I am starting another show, uh, a show about a game that I do quite enjoy a lot, um, about a universe that I'm quite passionate about. And um, I'm doing a show with a very good friend who I have known for a very long time. So without further ado, I guess I would like to introduce uh, the newest member of the Cast Ice podcast or the What is the Battle podcast network uh, show to the stable, uh, the Beyond the First Marker podcast. Now you might say, now what is that? Beyond the First Marker? That sounds like something out of a movie. 
It is. It is a Star Wars quote out of Empire Strikes Back. And it will be a Star Wars Legion podcast. Now, for those of you who enjoy Star Wars Legion as it is now um, and enjoy Star Wars Legion content that has been created by the content creators out there, be it on Facebook or on YouTube or any number of other places uh, on the Internet where people are writing, talking about or playing Star Wars Legion. Um, Most of those shows um, tend to be about uh, competitive uh, Star Wars Legion sort of meta-analysis, gameplay, and, uh, you know, how you can get the most out of your units on the tabletop. There's a lot of discussion of efficiency, um, you know, points versus utility, and, uh, you know, how to win games. Um, now, yes, I, I, I enjoy those shows. I listen to all of them. Uh, I listen to an astonishing number of Star Wars Legion podcasts and have since the game's come out. Um, part of my problem with the game up until this point, and I wouldn't say it's a problem, I actually really enjoy playing it, is that um, it was two-faction. The game was two-factioned, uh, Rebels and Imperials, and it was... There was a limit um, to the number of characters that were out. There was a limit to sort of the units and the creativity that you could use to diversify your units to sort of have the weird and wonderful that exists in the Star Wars universe outside of, you know, the very basic units and heroes that are presented in the basic game when it first came out. But recently, uh, of course, there has been a second core game, the Clone Wars. And so now all of a sudden we have the clones and we have the droids added. So now there's four factions. And in addition to that, um, FFG has been listening to their fandom and they have put out expansion packs. Now they did that a while ago with the specialist boxes where for rebels and for Imperials, you could add medics, you could add squad leaders, you could add uh, medical droids, um, communications officers, you could add uh, astromech droids, and you could add, you know, it really added a lot of variety to what you could add to units. Um, And of course, with every expansion over the game's history, there have been new cards um, that allow further diversity, um, individualization through kit, through abilities. Uh, And the game's really broadened out, and it allows you to sort of customize the units that are there. And of course, those numbers have really bulked out, so all of a sudden there's a lot of diversity that you can add to uh, sorry, the di- diversity between imperialists and rebelists. And of course, we'll talk about this more at length within the podcast. But what I think uh, is really exciting is that um, now it, there is enough of that diversity that it allows you to really get into the sort of the, the guts of Star Wars. You can theme an army. You're, you're not just going to a, a Star Wars Legion event where you look at every table and it's the same army it isn't the same heroes fighting the same you're using the same units fighting against literally the same heroes and the same units on every table which you know sadly for a little while it was but you know ffg had to create a game from the ground up it's not like warhammer where all of a sudden you know game well games workshop built up this stable of armies in fluff over 30 years FFG had to start from scratch, and they've done a wonderful job in the last... The game is, what, uh, I believe 15 months old now, and it is completely bulked out. It is a rich, full game. 
Uh, and there's just tons of diversity. And I think that is what Drew and I are going to be digging into. We are going to be talking about sort of the narrative aspects of Star Wars. In a way, it will be sort of the Star Wars Legion equivalent of the Ghost Army podcast. We are going to talk about units. We're going to talk about heroes and characters and villains. We're going to be talking about planets and battles. And we're going to talk about how you can use all of that to create a themed force. Um, we're going to talk about how you can do that using the rules and um, use the different upgrade cards to really represent those, you know, to flesh out those units on the tabletop. So they actually represent um, both rules-wise and, you know, thematically uh, parts of the universe that, you know, have been thus far unexplored. And we're also going to talk about how you can model it. Um, now, some of that comes down to some of the excellent 3D printing companies that exist today and that technology. And other of it is going to be um, old school, green stuff, um, converting and just, you know, pulling things together to create a, you know, one of a kind uh, Legion force, hero, unit, whatever, what have you, to make your force yours. And of course, in order to do that, we will need to talk, or I mean, really get into the nitty gritty on some of the uh, some of some of that history and some of the geography of the Star Wars universe. I'm really looking forward to it. Uh, it is it is it really will give me an opportunity to focus in on uh, something to uh, both drive my hobby uh, and to sit down and talk with an old friend. Drew and I used to DJ together for years, long before I even started podcasting. Um, and now that I've been podcasting, Drew has been an occasional guest, but I'm looking forward to uh, taking this on uh, in a more formal role with him. And because it is two of us, it will lighten the load for me for Cast Dice going into the future. Um, that said, Cast Dice, as I said, will continue most weeks. Um, and this show that will be coming on will be once a month-ish, basically in the same frequency as the Warlord cast. Now, uh, another important thing that will be talked about on that podcast is sort of the Australian uh, bolt action scene. Now, I don't want to get into maybe getting talking about meta or, you know, what 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 works here and what doesn't. Um, and I'm but I'm sure some of that will come up. Um, there's enough of that content on the internet as it is. Um, but given how prolific and strong Australia's wargaming community is, I mean, uh, we are known for having the largest Age of Sigmar event in the world. Um, we have, in the past, had the largest, so, or some of the largest Warhammer 40,000 uh, events in the world. Um, of course, Bolt Action had some massive, event, massive events. And we've had, I mean, most of the Bolt Action podcasts that have existed in the world um, ever came from Australia. So if you, I mean, that's just a small uh, piece of the pie that is Australia wargaming. And, you know, we as Australians have very strong and proud wargaming slash tabletop gaming uh, pedigree. And I think it's weird that Australian Star Wars Legion players don't necessarily have a regular forum um, to share that with the world. And so we are hoping to have guests on from other cities and who run and play in some of Star Wars Legion's largest events down here in Australia, or even smaller ones. I mean, it's just to explore and celebrate Star Wars and how we can uh, get it on the tabletop in the world of Star Wars Legion. Anyway, 
Beyond the First Marker is the podcast. Uh, Drew is my co-host. It will be two of us working together. It won't just be Brad and a rotating panel of guests, although we will have many guests on that show. Uh, I am looking forward to partnering up with a friend. Uh, Now, if you would like to search up that podcast, it has its own Facebook page already. It is literally, it is on Facebook right now. You can search it up. Beyond the First Marker. And our first episode will be coming out in about a week. So I'm looking forward to presenting that to you, our listener, very, very soon. Anyway, without further ado, I think it's time, now that we're about 25 minutes in, to get into the questions proper. So, welcome to the very first ever Cast Dice Mailbag segment. Um, I'd like to start with a question from Calder Jackson, who said, uh, or who asked, would you ever make uh, Lord of the Rings content? Also, is it what's in the pipe for more bolt action? Uh, and is it possible to do something uh, with list theming? Uh, now, I've done quite a lot of list theming content. In fact, that's probably the majority of what I've done uh, for bolt action over the years. Um, that is something that would probably be done on the Ghost Army podcast or in conjunction with some of those guys. Look, I'm not going to rule it out. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing what the future holds for Bolt Action and uh, you know what, how the other guys in the old cast uh, feel about what's coming out and where things really end up going from here. But um, look, guys, to be perfectly honest... Um, I love Bolt Action. Uh, I've been playing Bolt Action since day dot. I've been podcasting about Bolt Action from literally the beginning. Um, and I I love it. And I actually am a huge fan of second edition. I know there's a lot of people out there talking about the need for third edition. Um, look, I, I, if I was to wish list, I would wish for a rebalancing of the points. Um, and I would probably keep second edition rules pretty much the way they are. I like templates. Um, I like just about everything, and I think they, the changes that were made in second edition really did make uh, first edition a much better game. I think Bolt Action's a much better game for it, um, and I'm not looking for a third edition anytime soon. Um, why am I playing less? Uh, I've mentioned it, I think, a couple times over the years in passing, and I've had a lot of people asking me recently why I haven't been doing more Bolt Action content. Um uh, I, I I love playing in events. I love playing uh, themed games. Uh, I absolutely love it when like Rob Deacon runs the Japanese versus Chinese themed campaign days, um, where there isn't um, you know a winner or a loser, but it's just guys getting together, playing games, and having a good time. I think that is exactly where I'm at these days, and I, I do kind of like. I mean, I, I really enjoyed talking about where the quote-unquote meta was uh, after CanCon this year um, and doing all that list analysis. But for years now, um, my ability to play sort of in the local scene has been sort of curtailed by... Um, I, I don't get along with maybe one uh, one notable member of the local community. Um, he and I don't tend to be in the same place at the same time very well. Um, and it sort of has driven me away from uh, most of the local events. Um it is part of the reason why, for example, I stepped away from being the TO from Operation Bear. Sure, I had a lot of other things going on in life and work really did kick me in the face. But what drives me and really makes me passionate about gaming is playing the games themselves. Uh, and I've been sort of pulling back from the the local bolt action community back sort of coming back and forth um, 
over the last couple of years, uh, specifically because of, you know, my interactions. And um, what drives me is playing games and having a good time. And I'm not playing much Bolt Action. I'm playing a lot of other games and I'm having a great time doing it. So um, Cast Ice is probably going to do less minute uh, content, um, you know, getting into the detail, getting into the heavy duty crunch of Bolt Action like it has in the past. Um, and that was part of why I stopped doing the LRDG2 and jumped to Cast Ice in the first place. Am I saying I'm not going to do Bolt Action? No. Am I quitting Bolt Action? No. Am I going to get rid of all my Bolt Action armies? No. Uh, I love Bolt Action. I'm still painting G.I. Joe vehicles to play Bolt Action with. Um, however, I'm going to be doing less content for it. Um, now, Lord of the Rings, very excited to do content about that. I have a lot of friends who are playing it, loving it. Can't wait to do some content about that. Um, I have not played it. I don't know if I need another mass fantasy game um, that <laughs> involves models that I don't currently own. However, never say never. Um, you know, ADHD is a uh, is a fickle mistress, so you never quite know what I'll get into next, uh, and I don't either. Uh, speaking of armies and collections, uh, Dave Fanning, I don't know why he asked this, asked, uh, he'd love for me to go through my army collection. Uh, he says that I seem to have an army for everything, so he'd love to hear what I have um, and how that all goes. Now, I don't know if that would make for good, interesting listening uh, but if I'm looking at the figure case in my office, um, the big glass case, I'm looking at my bolt-action Soviets, which can also be used as fins because they're wearing winter onesies. Um, and the models are from both Soviets and fins uh, mixed together, and they do blend together. Uh, I do have a Battle of the Bulge American Army, um, which can be used as uh, Panzer Brigade 150 because I do have the accompanying... German tanks, and a few added conversion models so I can play it both ways. Um, I have an American, uh, sorry, a German Battle of the Bulge Army with an American infiltrator unit built in, so some of those vehicles uh, work both ways. Um, there is the Italian Auto Sahariana, which has basic tanks that I can add to it to turn it into just a regular Italian army. Um, I have uh, an orc and troll army that is largely sculpted out of green stuff um, that I spent quite a lot of time on. Um, I have, of course, the Chinese and the Japanese for bolt action. And if we're going to get into sort of Warlords of Erewhon slash Warhammer Fantasy slash uh, Age of Sigmar, uh, I've got, continuing with the orcs and the goblins, I have a massive orc army. I have the goblins and trolls that I mentioned before. I have a massive demon army that can be used for Age of Sigmar or for um, Warhammer 40,000. That is a massive, is that there's a massive uh, Games Workshop model demon army. And then there's also the floating eyeball army that I sculpted out of scratch. um, That's sort of zinch demons. Uh, We have... Uh, Chaos Dwarves, I have uh, more than enough to play Warlords of Erewhon with, uh, and but not quite enough to play Age of Sigmar. Uh, there are, uh, I have a fairly large, still on square bases, uh, Warhammer Fantasy Chaos Army, uh, Mortals, so Knights, Marauders, that sort of thing, uh, Chariots, 
uh, Marauder Horsemen. Love that army. Where while it's not enough to necessarily play Age of Sigmar at the moment, actually it might be very close. Uh, I have to check. Uh, it is definitely more than enough to play as barbarians for Warlords of Erewhon uh, or you know any number of other games. I believe it actually works quite well for Kings of War. Um, and I'm very excited about uh, when they announced that Age of Sigmar is about to do a brand new Warriors of Chaos army, whatever it's called now. Um, so that army might come out on round bases soon. And speaking of round bases, I do have my old um, coveted Witch Cult army for Warhammer 40,000. It's one of the few Warhammer 40,000 armies I have left. Um, I absolutely love it, and I have been toying with the idea of cutting the guns off of it because it's the old metal models um, and putting shields on them, and then I'd be able to use them as sort of a fantasy canite uh, elf army, which could be good for Age of Sigmar, could also, again, be good for games like Warcry or for uh, Warlords of Erewhon. I also have my beloved Sons of Helvis army, Helvis being a giant demon prince with Elvis's hair, sunglasses, uh, paint scheme, and lightning bolts all over him that was beautifully converted and painted by the talented Dave Taylor, and then I painted a gold noise marine army to go with him. I took it to Arcanicon, God... 12 years ago, um, and I still have it. It's one of, again, one of the few fantasy, sorry, 40K armies that I currently entirely own. Uh, and then I have a handful of models uh, for a bunch of armies for fantasy and for 40K that I use for games like Warcry and for Mordheim and for just smaller based fantasy uh, games that I, you know, I love. Uh, again, these are just all painted models that I'm looking at or see in the figure cases around me. And I also have, um, just actually saw one last case on the end, I have a mostly painted Death Guard, an old metal Death Guard army from several editions of 40K ago that um, I was using for um, what is now Kill Team, um, pulling models from that. And yeah, it's, look, I got a bunch of... A bunch of armies. Uh, I'm sure I'm missing stuff, but those are the main ones. I have fully painted crews for Batman. I have fully painted racing teams for Gaslands. Uh, a ton of models that I can use for 7TV uh, and other pulp games. And if we're going to talk Malifaux, uh, I have the entire guild faction just about fully painted. Um, Thank you, Patch. And I have uh, other assorted models. I have a ton of models to convert my existing uh, bolt-action armies to Conflict 47. And yeah, it's, it's just ridiculous. Um, and then, of course, there's my G.I. Joe and Cobra project. Um, I got a lot of stuff. Uh, I don't know if that made for interesting listening. I'm sorry. Uh, but there you go. I answered the question. Next up, I have a question from Steve Price, um, who's asking, do I have a take on current state of wargaming, specifically the number of games out there that I'm finding I cannot play good games because there are just too many? Um, that is actually the entire focus of this podcast, as you all know. Uh, and there are I literally um, enough games out there that I want to play that I can't quite get to that it actually causes me anxiety and stress. Not literally, but, uh, you know... To a degree. I, I feel like there is a very serious case of, and I jokingly make the joke at the beginning of this podcast, that we're in the middle of a gaming renaissance. Um, I think, and I've talked about it with Ian uh, on the most recent episode of Cast Dice and several others recently, 
I think that we are in a really exciting time. We have people like Rick Priestley who have retired and have sort of created games like Warlords of Erewhon, who ha- um, you know, which are just built on a lifetime of experience and sort of what he wants to play. And I think that's really exciting that we have game designers with that much experience who are using all of that experience to create fun games for us to play. Meanwhile, we have young up-and-coming designers and um, we have major game companies who are building on the experience of the past. I think um, the proliferation of multimedia slash social media has made game companies more accountable uh, to their audience um, and has helped their audience to unite um, to discover what their needs and wants are in a game system. Um, And it's meant that there are Games that are more approachable, I think, and easier to play, and I think game companies are also leaning into people's attention span slash time um, restraints, and so we're we're seeing a lot of sharp, short, sharp, fun games, um, skirmish games. Uh, you know, we have Warcry, you have Seven uh, TV, Gaslands, all these games that um, I absolutely adore uh, that are out now. And our custom fit to our modern living. Um, yeah, I, I think it's a really exciting time. There are too many games to even list. Um, just the short list of games that I definitely want to play or at least try out in the Im- immediate near future. Um, Marvel Crisis Protocol looks like it's a lot of fun. It may not be the game that I initially thought it might have been, um, but that's okay. I think it still looks great. I'm planning to play a lot more Star Wars Legion. Um, I've really enjoyed that game over there since it's been out the last, what, 15 months. Haven't played nearly enough of it. And now that there's four factions and more differentiation in the game, unit-wise, I'm going to be playing a lot more of it. I know a long time ago I had... Um, the author of Bot War on, i hoping to play some of that in the immediate future. Um, the, I mean, a lot of people are telling me to try out Frostgrave. I haven't tried out Middle-Earth Gaming, any of the um, Lord of the Rings stuff that's out there. I mean, there's a new edition of Kings of War um, that, you know, the internet is very hot and cold about simultaneously, which means it's probably good, and it's just edition change shock. Uh, I look, I'm just excited. I, I, I'm, I have a beautiful Skaven army painted by patch that can be used, uh, for Kings of War can be used for age of Sigmar and can be used for warlords of Erewhon that I'm going to be finishing the basing on, uh, very shortly. And so, yeah, um, there's just a lot of really cool games. Um, and it allows us to really dig into those collections of models that we have that we can play with. And in some cases, we can play different games with the same models, which just, you know, adds depth to our collection. With the, it opens the opportunities of the, the, the games we can play and the people we can play with. It's just really exciting. It's cool. Likewise, I'm very interested in actually sitting down and using my existing uh, Battle of the Bulge Americans with maybe some updated tanks to play Bolt Action Korea. I think that's going to be really cool. Um, It's a great book, and I'd love to sit down and play it. And it sounds like some of my local friends are painting up forces for it. Yes, Dave, I'm looking directly at you and Lee. Uh, Looking forward to sitting down and, you know, getting some games of that under my belt. Likewise, games like Reality's Edge, um, which just cyberpunk in general, another great skirmish game with tons of depth that makes it almost role-playing like, are just absolutely fantastic. And I definitely also need to play. Um, 
and now you start to see where I'm getting stressed, not even getting into Mansions of Madness, Test of Honor, the new edition. I mean, there are just too many fantastic games that I want to be playing right this second. And I'm sure I'm missing a ton. The Car Wars Kickstarter is about to go live um, with the new edition of Car Wars, which is always one of my greats. And that reminds me that Battletech uh, is back to stay and people are just loving it. And it's just, there are just too many good games out there to effectively list at one time. And um, just to pull back the curtain a little bit and expose how my brain works with this show, um, as I'm interested in a project, a game that's coming up, or I've been playing a game and I'm really enjoying it, or I know friends of mine have been playing a game, um, the way that I often channel my, 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 my desire to go in every single direction is to try and focus one on one particular game for a particular episode um, or arc of episodes. I like to revisit games that I've been enjoying playing uh, and that I know people have had events for. Uh, but really, look, I could go, uh, as far as cast dice goes, I could go in literally a dozen or more directions at any given episode, and I would have a blast doing it. It's just a matter of making those choices, and which is why when people do talk to me about what they would like to hear, um, I try to listen and I try to have interesting guests on to talk about the games that you guys have been requesting through the Facebook page over time. Uh, for example... Uh, the Game of Thrones game, uh, lots of people, even in messaging for this particular episode, have asked, am I going to be covering that in the future? I have heard so many fantastic things about that game, and I would love to pick it up, but I, I'm not sure that I <laughs> can afford mentally to uh, pick up and paint a, a rank-and-flank game at the moment. That's just <clears throat> too many models for me to... Uh, to sort of handle at the moment. However, I would love to have someone on to talk about the uh, idiosyncrasies and the the characteristics of the game. Uh, people just have so many great things to say about it. It sounds fantastic. It sounds like um, the political intrigue with the rank and flank combined it with such a, a really interesting and rich uh, background just makes it a winner. And I just need to sit down to talk to someone uh, who has played it. Um, and you know, is passionate about it, knows a lot about it. So that is a game that's on my short list to cover in the future. Um, that said, I'm not sure I'm honestly going to play it. Um, and that comes down to me and my ability to paint. Um, now I, I was asked, um, to talk about my recent swing of, uh, Star Wars Legion models. Um, now I did promise that um, I did sort of commit to Drew that I was going to paint my Imperials and we would play a game on the last school holidays. Uh, and so I buckled down. I finished my Imperial Army, my Mimbin Stormtrooper Army, loved painting it and realized um, something that I really, uh, I really like the scale for Legion. Makes me think I might also like the scale for Marvel Crisis Protocol, the slightly larger models. Uh, I really enjoyed playing and painting Warhammer for years, both 40K and fantasy. Um, fantasy models, the orcs and the chaos models, the slightly larger models were always sort of uh, passions of mine. Um, I like the fluff of the armies quite a lot, but it didn't occur to me that that sort of leaned into my painting style until I recently sat down with Star Wars Legion models. Um, I am... I think I'm going blind in my old age, but uh, I'm finding it much easier and I'm having a much better time painting the details on 
um, models in the Star Wars Legion scale. And it's not just the FFG models. I'm a huge fan of Skullforged and Mel's Miniatures, sort of um, 3D print uh, alternative models for the Star Wars Legion game. But sort of that larger scale um, really kind of allows me... Malifaux's the same scale. I really enjoy painting in that scale. And it's kind of allowed me to stretch my wings a little bit, and I'm finding it a lot faster to paint um, because I'm having to concentrate less on what I'm doing. Uh, That said, one of my main loves for painting is tanks um, and giant robots, which is why games like Battletech and Bot War uh, and just my random G.I. Joe vehicles will always be in the mix. Um, But I... Having to go back and uh, and I say having to with giant air quotes, um, I'm really enjoying painting the Crooked Dice Visitor models for 7TV Apocalypse, which I'm going to be uh, hopefully streaming a game of on the YouTube channel soon. I, I'm really struggling jumping from that big block of Star Wars Legion infantry to a smaller scale. Uh, I'm having a harder time seeing the details, and it's not that the details aren't there. If you haven't looked at Crooked Dice's website, their models are literally top-notch. And that's what's telling me that it's not the models. It's It may just be scale. I'm just struggling with smaller scale. And that was one of the reasons why, for example, Patch helped me out for years with my bolt-action armies is I just, I just am too slow painting bolt-action infantry. It just takes me too long. Am I the only one who feels this way about this? Is anyone else having a, ser- uh, a similar experience? I mean, I'm not that old. My vision's not bad, but I'm I'm finding it a much easier, um, I don't want to say task, because it makes it sound like painting's arduous. I love painting. It, it, it relaxes me. I enjoy doing it. I'm just not fast at it. Um, and I'm just finding certain scales better. Is I, I don't think I've heard a lot of people on podcasts talk about that. Am I the only one? Is this weird? please message the Facebook page and let me know. As always, I'd love to hear from you. Now, the next couple of questions, there's a few joke questions and a few serious questions. Uh, I'd like to thank Muddy and our good buddy Pedro and Lee for some of these. Um, I've been asked, uh, how do I handle my fame and my fans? Um, <laughs> guys, <laughs> it's just one guy with a mic. Don't have fans, just people who listen. Thank you again for listening. Um, embarrassing question. Um Seriously, though, from those guys, um, they did ask, what is my favorite painting technique? Now, I do sort of go in runs. Um, for quite a while, I painted a lot of models that were white. Um, I revisited that with the Stormtroopers a little bit recently and with the V Visitor Shuttle that I'm painting up. Uh, I love, um, once I sort of learn a new technique, um, I like to look at my collection and sort of attack a bunch of models with that same technique again and again. Um, until I'm ready to move on to the next one. Uh, I'm often very tired when I get home from work. I know most of us are. Uh, Being a primary school teacher is very tiring. And so when I paint to relax, I fall back on um, strategies and just um, muscle memory for a lot of my painting. And I know, again, most of us do. But it means that I'm I'm not always the most uh, adventurous uh, when it comes to trying new methods of painting. Um, recently, the the thing that I've sort of been doing a lot of is I've been playing a lot with sponge work. Uh, I did that a lot with my winter vehicles for bolt action. Then I started using it for G.I. Joe. Um, again, winterizing G.I. Joe vehicles and sort of making all of the Joe vehicles 
um, sort of whitewashed, uh, and that <clears throat> led me down some interesting paths, um, namely the Minbin Stormtroopers, where I basically sponge painted and then experimented with various levels of dry brushing and then detail painting and washing in conjunction of that to um, to paint up the basic infantry. And then I used... Um, I've used that uh, for some the new rusty team of Gaslands cars. I'm normally a very clean, um, straight line, um, detail-oriented painter. I like to, to have things with a lot of pop on the tabletop. And uh, the spongings really allowed me to stretch out um, as a painter and really get do interesting things. Uh, I've been playing around with sponging multiple colors back and forth to create sort of chipped paint effects on the Gaslands cars, and I'm using that. Uh, on my Black Orc Ard Boys, whatever you want to call them, models for Warcry that I really need to sit down and finish painting. But I really enjoyed the process of messing around with that and then painting the actual chips uh, and the edges of the armor with the rust that's coming off and the paint that's been rubbed off um, using metallics. Uh, I've also been messing around with a lot of the Star Wars Legion by painting non-metallic metallics uh, using a million shades of gray for everything. And yeah, again, just lots of fun messing around with uh, techniques I'm comfortable with and then, you know, over time, trialing new ones. Uh, so yeah, that's where that's kind of where I'm at painting-wise. Um, now, I have also had some excellent questions about um, where I get inspiration for my hobby projects. Uh, often it often, I think I've mentioned on several podcasts, um, this is from Lee Avery. I, I have spent a lot of time, I had a tough couple of years at work. Um, and I sort of back, <laughs> I, I backslid into my childhood a bit. Uh, and I found, uh, nostalgia very comforting. And I, I know I'm not the only one. A lot of people are really interested in the eighties, uh, and comic books and you know a lot of the things that we had as kids are now popular again I mean just look at things like Stranger Things uh, I'm even the most uh, recent American Horror Story where you have um, you know it nodding to all the the horror movies that a lot of us watched as kids um, so I'm I'm really enjoying Star Wars G.I. Joe Transformers uh, you know everything that I loved Mask all the things I loved as a kid all the comic characters uh, and that's where it's been driving a lot of my inspiration. V, so the visitors from the television series V, love that show growing up. And so I'm, I'm loving painting those models. Uh, of course, I also grew up in Japan. So when I was playing Dave Monroe the other day uh, and we were playing uh, 7TV Pulp, it made sense to have, uh, you know, a Japanese vampire, jumping vampire leading a group of Japanese soldiers uh, against American GIs uh, and local Chinese guides to stop a, a temple raid. And that video is on YouTube. But it was just, uh, you know, leaning into all the, the little nooks and crannies of my formative years. I, I absolutely love all those things. Um, when it was, I mean, 40, when I was a hardcore 40K, very competitive, um, and that was my only game player, uh, I, I, I mean, there was so much in the fluff that you could lean into, um, that you could really, uh, you know, explore and then use to theme your armies um, that I, I've now that I'm in games that maybe don't have as much fluff um, that I'm falling back into um, other genres and things that interested me from earlier in life. I mean, for example, I'm a huge William Gibson fan. 
Uh, love rereading his cyberpunk novel novels in particular. Um, you know, Snow Crash, all those. And so re- the idea of Reality's Edge as a gaming system just grabs me, and I absolutely love it. Um, I love the 2000 AD comics, and so being able to put Dread models on the board shortly is going to be fantastic. Um, now, whether I use that to play the Judge Dread game, which I will, uh, and you will see it on the Cast Dice channel, or uh, 7TV, because I seem to be playing tons of that, and it allows you to take anything. Uh, and I, you know, it's a great game, and I want to play it more. And just having more models painted for it just means that, you know, it, it makes life easier when, again, you can use the same models for different game systems um, across the board. Now, Lee also asked me to list every cast dice guest in chronological order. I'm not doing that. Uh, if you can go to the <laughs> the app, uh, I'm sure it would be very boring if I tried to just sit and listen, uh, sorry, list that over and over and over again. Um, I have to take a second, though, to thank every single guest, including Lee. Um, this show is would literally not be anything um, without my guests, um, without someone to talk to. I really don't like doing solo episodes, um, which makes this episode slightly weird, uh, which I'm, I'm a much more comfortable podcaster when I have people to speak with, uh, which um, means that I have to thank each and every one of the guests who have come on um, because without them, this show would not be what it is and it would not exist because I wouldn't do this solo all the time by myself. I am just not that guy. Now, our next question is from uh, the one and only Casey, the man whose quote I say at the end of every single episode of Cast Dice. Uh, And he asks, the state of my personal hobby. Um, He asks, what happened over the last year? What games? uh, And how do I feel about them? Uh, now, again, pulling back the curtain a little bit, um, when I, 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 I have known for the last year plus that I was moving to do YouTube videos, um, and I've also known that I would be cycling sort of away from gaming events. Um, previously, I've always loved playing in events. Um, since playing in the very first uh, Warhammer 40,000 U.S. Grand Tournament, Uh, I flew across country to play. I didn't have many people to play in college because in New Orleans, everyone was doing other stuff. Uh, No one wanted to play Warhammer. And I was doing other stuff and I was having a great time. But I was also, you know, I was often painting at night. Um, Again, I I found it very calming when I was studying in university. It it helped me to cool out. Um, And so being able to have an event, that annual event, the, the grand tournament, I would paint an army for six months. I would show up. And my armies were terrible, but I had a blast. I showed up. I had, because I had that event to paint towards, it gave me a deadline. And I missed my first couple until I got my pacing right. And then from then on, whenever I had a big event, um, I would paint for it. And when I moved to Australia um, and to Melbourne in particular, Melbourne has a phenomenal uh, wargaming scene. Look, Australia in general has a phenomenal, phenomenal wargaming scene. Um, but Melbourne, I slotted right in, and there were just constant events, uh, particularly for Warhammer 40,000, of which I was a massive fan of at the time. And so I ended up playing in constant events, and that turned my hobby output into 
uh, Overdrive. Uh, and I just constantly cranked out armies. I was buying and selling them nonstop. And for folks who listen to the show and like to give me grief about me being a slow painter, I cranked through, there was there were years where I painted five or six, and I mean really, I mean they were tabletop. I mean they weren't patch quality, but they were good, and they got full painting marks in every event I played in, and I was cranking out huge numbers of armies, and then I would sell them to buy the next one. And it, it was, you know, trying to keep up with the meta um, was something I enjoyed doing for a long time, um, but eventually did kind of lead me to burning out. But when that happened, um, I kind of needed something to paint towards. And so I went into Warhammer Fantasy. Um, I was competitive there for a short amount of time before I sort of gave up on it and just sort of played for funsies with some friends. But I found that my hobby output dropped to almost nothing because I didn't have anything to paint towards. Um, And I would just jump from army to army, painting a couple models here, painting a couple models there. Thankfully, along the way, I picked up bolt action. And that really helped focus me. But... I my for some reason my painting got incredibly slow. Um, mainly, I think because there weren't many events, uh, and I just got into a slow rhythm. Uh, I think my work also jumped up considerably, but I also got into a much slower rhythm, um, and so. I was playing in bolt action events regularly, um, and then when I pulled away from that, I didn't have things to paint towards. And so I, I turned into, uh, I, I painted a lot of the G.I. Joe vehicles that I've been talking about, um, painted a lot of Conflict 47 stuff that I play with uh, Dave Monroe and a variety of other game systems and I would just pick up and play. But I didn't necessarily engage with any community necessarily. Um, and I, I, I had a hard time finishing projects. Um, but as I focused on, um, for the last year and a half or so, really getting Cast Dice, the Cast Dice YouTube channel up and running. Um, I love talking about games, as you can probably tell from this podcast's existence. Uh, I adore it. I, it's it's a great passion of mine. Um, but I also really want to show the games that we are talking about. And um, having, especially knowing that I would finally have it things up and running recently, I've been cranking to finish things that I have started before. Um, I've painted, uh, finished painting a ton of G.I. Joe vehicles that I started previously. Um, in particular, my Star Wars Legion army, of course. Um, but, you know, we're also getting into the Gaslands, that, that rusty crew that I talked about. I started that racing team 13 months ago. Um, and then uh, I just sat down and finished it recently because I was playing the game. And that, I think, will be what drives me forward. I want to play some of these games. Um, I want to record them. And having something to paint towards will guide my hobby. It also means that I might be playing in a lot of different... I might be playing a lot of different game systems um, because I want to cover a lot of game systems. But that's okay because there's a lot of great games to play and I love playing them. I don't mind. Um, I used to be hyper-competitive and knew every rule in and out for Warhammer 40,000 and Bolt Action and a variety of other games. And I am less pedantically inclined towards knowing every single rule 
um, these days, uh, and I'm more interested in putting armies that I find interesting and fun on the tabletop. Um, I know that, for example, doing the Star Wars Legion podcast once a month will mean that I will play a lot more Legion, uh, and that will be driving my hobby a lot um, going forward. But in the past year, I've had a blast playing games like Gaslands, playing games like Warcry, uh, and 7TV, and even casually playing Bolt Action. It's is just been a blast. And I'm looking forward to, uh, as I said, just taking the models out of my case, putting them on the table, and painting and playing with them. Um, but it, that will, it's the finishing the projects and showing you guys the games that I think will really uh, drive where I go and uh, it's sort of driven where I've been for the last year or so as far as hobby goes. Now, old friend of the show, Pachamus, has asked me to... I mean, he asked a number of the questions that I've read previously. Um, but one of the questions he asked me was to make some bold predictions for the gaming industry for the, for the next year to come. Um, look, I just think we're going to see a lot more of what we've already seen. I think that we are trending towards um, community-focused companies that are listening to their players... Um, through social media. I mean, just FFG has talked about in the last week um, opening up Star Wars Legion and having um, more regular discussions with sort of prominent members of the community, uh, engaging with them to um, release, you know, release schedules and to inter have more interviews with internal staff. I mean, you have Games Workshop leaning heavily into its back catalog for Age of Sigmar. We're getting everything that people complaining about forever um, is being, you know, we're getting army books for tons of armies that people, you know, just were, were saying for armies that were people were saying were unplayable or they really wish there was more fluff or more rules for them. Well, now they are. They're, they're listening to their audience. Um, you know, the fact that Necromunda keeps putting out models and, the fa I mean, Sisters of Battle, is coming out this month, finally. I mean, I played, I mean, I would have loved that a decade ago, maybe 15 years ago, no, a decade ago. That would have been absolutely fantastic. That would have been, you know, all my Christmases come at once. But uh, unfortunately, sort of, I've let 40K go. But that is a fan favorite that they've sort of been hinting and teasing at for quite a while. I would love them to put out Noise Marines um, and do a Slanesh Army, but I wouldn't play Warhammer 40,000 to play it. Um, well, maybe. Who knows? Never say never, right? I mean, we're even seeing game developers um, and the owners of game companies lean into this as well. Um, I mean, just look at, uh, you know, you have Footsore putting out modern adventurer models that look suspiciously like some of the cartoon characters I loved as a kid. You have um, the Bot War models, um, look familiar to other some giant robots I played with as a kid. And you have 7TV allowing you to run any model ever. Um, you can literally... Um, I mean, there's Masters of the Universe gaming groups. There's all kinds of... People are leaning into what they want, and they're finding other people who also love those things. Uh, I'm surprised there's not more, maybe because it's a relatively recent occurrence, um, but when I grew up in Japan, Gundam was everything, you know, everywhere, and it's there isn't a Gundam game. Not, not that I'm aware of. There's some Gundam groups that I'm a member of, and I would love to see that. Um, in fact, I know that a, a group of authors has put a... Um, a tabletop game 
battle game for mobile suit combat, uh, and it submitted to Bandai, and I know they're waiting for the corporate process to uh, approve that. Hopefully they do. I'd love to play that game. But as far as the near future of gaming in the next 12 months or so, I think we're going to see even more and more and more people uh, and uh, you know, companies trying to give people what they want. Um, I think people are realizing that's the best way to sell um, is to give the customer what they want. And the customers have very diverse um, tastes. I think we're going to see even more games on the gaming market. I don't think this podcast is going to be uh, short for conversational topics for any length of time, anytime soon. I mean, there are just too many good games that we can be playing today. And I'm glad that that won't be ending anytime soon. Now, I do have to thank Seamus, uh, again, for asking quite a few of the questions that I've talked about today. He was the one who asked me the painting scale question. Uh, now, I did roll quite a few questions together. Um, if I did not directly read your literal question on this cast today, I hope I summarized it by in answering others. Now, I am aware that uh, I am a little rambly when I'm by myself. I will endeavor to have guests on in the next couple episodes. In fact, as mentioned in the Gaslands episode, it is going to be a very exciting couple of weeks for Cast Dice and the Cast Dice Network. We are going to see all kinds of cool videos um, and podcasts coming up. I have another interview with Rick Priestley. Uh, that's going to be very exciting. Love having Rick on. We are going to have the first episode of Beyond the First Marker coming out next week. And of course, the Warlord Games podcast where we talk about dread. It is going to be very exciting. Now, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for bearing with me. I will bring guests back and I will go back to being a coherent human being. Um, this episode was a little delayed. Um, work has been a little nuts. Life has been a little crazy the last couple weeks. I do love doing this show and I hope to make up that episode uh, with some of the great content that I've just mentioned um, with multiple episodes coming at you soon. But uh, I think that comes back to what I mentioned earlier, going back to what my good buddy Casey always says, when you are playing the games that we know and love, I hope that your dice roll hot. I hope your beverages are cold. But more than anything else, when you are playing the games that we know and love, I hope you're having fun. This is Cast Dice saying, it's been a fun year. Hope you enjoyed it. Good night.